Hi, it's Dr. Chelsea, and on today's show, I'm talking about marketing and mindset with Sonia McCord. But before we jump in, I would love for you to do two quick things to help me out, and it would really genuinely make me so happy. If you have never left a rating or review for the podcast, would you please do that right now? It's the best way to help me get the podcast in the ears of more dancers and dance educators. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, just hit those five stars, write a quick sentence about why you love the show and why other people should listen. And number two, I would really appreciate it if you shared this episode. Send it to a fellow dance educator in your circle, take a screenshot, post it on social, share it in your favorite dance Facebook group, text a friend, whatever works. But I would be so grateful if you shared. So thank you in advance. Welcome to the Passion for Dance podcast. I'm Dr. Chelsea, a former professional dancer and dance team coach turned sports psychologist. This podcast focuses on four main pillars, motivation, resilience, mindset, and community. Each week, you'll learn actionable strategies, mindsets, and tips to teach your dancers more than good technique. This is a podcast where we can all make a lasting impact and share our passion for dance. Let's do this. Do you think being a professional dancer is out of your reach? I definitely thought so as a young dancer, but my guest today taught me a lot about chasing your dreams through being yourself. Joining me today is Sonia McCord, a professional dancer, a marketing expert, and CEO of her own incredible company. Sonia is a classically trained dancer who has performed with Pittsburgh Ballet Theater, Nashville Ballet, Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater, and the Dance Theater of Harlem. She's also a point shoe specialist for Capizio and has used her marketing expertise to travel internationally in order to educate, lead, and advise professional dancers, artistic directors, and dance businesses on topics like branding, visibility, marketing, and artistic development. Sonia and I talked about having an identity crisis after your professional career ends. We talked about building your brand online, being your authentic self and setting clear goals, even shaking up the dance industry and a little about Beyonce and Lady Gaga. (laughs) Let's welcome Sonia McCord. Hello, Sonia. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. Your resume definitely speaks for itself. You have some incredible work out there, but still, will you just please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your dance world journey? Yes. My name is Sonia McCord and I have been dancing since like every story that you hear about dancers. Since I was a little girl, I was six years old. Um, And it's been like a very roundabout journey to where I am today. I always intended on becoming a professional dancer and just having that full-time ballet career, then going into Broadway and then maybe some contemporary and having my own dance company, but everything doesn't work out as planned. (laughs) (laughs) And my Capricorn brain is not happy, but I have to believe that where I am right now is where I'm supposed to be. And, um, I was able to train with a lot of wonderful schools like Nashville Ballet, Pittsburgh Ballet Theater School, Alvin Ailey, and Dance Theater of Harlem. And then I had one really bad experience that just sort of took me out of the dance world with without me even planning on it, intending on it, or wanting it to happen. And from there, I just sort of felt lost. Like um, I feel like a lot of dancers go through this in general, whether their careers end or they're just not training as much. They don't really know 
where they belong and if they still belong in the industry. And so for me, I just had this identity crisis for several years before I finally realized this passion that I have and this connection to dance is not going away. And I needed to figure out a way to reconnect. And having had a degree in marketing and business and working in branding, I just started to realize like I'm passionate about both. Let's see if I can find a way to combine both of my passions and help dancers have an experience that is more empowered than the one that I had. So giving them opportunity to be able to take their career in their own hands and not let you know, one situation prevents you from having the career of your dreams. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so powerful. And I, I totally hear what you're saying about the identity part. And I think so many dancers do that. Like we, we grow up dancing from a really young age. And so therefore like I am a dancer. It's like all I know, it's who I am. And then if that ends, especially if it's not your choice, there's that huge now roadblock, right. Of now, what do I do? And now I, I, I don't, what's left, right. I don't know how to do this. And I, I love that you have a chance to, a way to actually help dancers figure out what their voice is and what they want. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one thing I've discovered years later is that there's a lot of pain that you harbor and you just sort of internalize it. It's like when someone dies, like you never really get over someone dying. You just learn to live with it. And I feel like when dancing is removed from your life, there's something inside you that sort of dies as well. Yeah. And you start harboring this pain that you don't even realize is there. And so for me, especially like you said, when it's not your choice, um, there's a lot of like deep seated pain there that I was avoiding. I didn't realize for years that I wouldn't even watch dancing, um, that I wouldn't talk about it. I wouldn't even like allow anyone to mention a dancer to me at <laughs> all, you know, and I feel like dancers are living in this pain regardless of whether they're still in the industry or not, because there's just still so much like each experience shapes who we are. And if you have like that one single experience where like maybe you were so close to an audition and maybe something terrible happened that prevented you from getting in there, or maybe they chose another one because she was their favorite, whatever it is, you know, that's the nature of the industry. But at the same time, you're still carrying those burdens and pains with you. And I feel like um, it's important for us as dancers, whether we are still dancing or not dancing to dig deep and start to look at how do we really feel about what happened so that we can start to identify those obstacles and roadblocks that we're self-imposing on ourselves because of those experiences, if that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely. I think we do put more roadblocks. And some of it I do think is also dance culture where we're taught, you know, chin up all the time, she must go on and you just power through when I think it's taking some time to actually process, how do I actually feel about what just happened? Or where, where do I really want to go next? Or if I'm just doing what I'm supposed to be doing and yeah, taking the time to process that really matters. Absolutely. Um, so I appreciate you sharing that that part of your journey was really hard. Do you have any thoughts on advice for how you move forward from that? Or if it was just time and discovering what you could do next once that part of your career was over? I think, I mean, time always heals. But if I could go back, I probably would have done things differently. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that I would have done differently is I would have just been like, forget what these people have to say. Let me like map out my own plan. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you're just so caught up in the, the pain and the hurt and feeling lost because in dance, we're so used to being in structured programs, 
we're so used to going to a program. They telling us when we go, tell us when we're going to class. They tell us what combinations to do. <laughs> they tell us what choreography we're going to learn for the yeah. year, whatever it is, right? So then when you don't have that structure, you feel lost. And I think that's where the Sony McCord experience comes into play is because it allows uh, dancers to figure out that path for themselves in terms of building their own curriculum and figuring out what they really want and not what's presented to them. It's So I think if I were to tell anyone that's in that situation now, like if they're trying to figure out if they still want to dance or if they've had a bad experience and they haven't been dancing for a long time, I would probably just say go for it and just say yes, because there's always a path. Like when I was dancing, I had no idea there were all these other opportunities that I could have done. Like I didn't even know what a point shoe specialist was or that it even existed or that it was like a reputable career. Like I didn't know any of those things, you know, but nowadays there's so many options and they're so in our face and available to us online that I feel like dancers just have to figure out what aligns with what their dreams are. And if your dreams are still to perform, then find a way to perform. You know, Martha Graham created her own dance company, Mm -hmm. her own dance technique, and we're still enjoying that today. Right. So I would tell dancers to do the same. Yeah. So well said. I think we, I had a similar kind of experience of like, oh, there's all these other options outside of, I didn't know, like you just are so stuck in the same world. And I remember doing the, like the apprenticeship work and audition and like that phase. And it was like, all you know is show up and do the work and you either get the job or you don't, or like you didn't, I didn't consider all there is to it. And I think you're right. There's so much more both to that process and to other things you could do. We talk a little bit about that because I think you have a great way now of helping dancers understand how to um, like present themselves and be visible and be seen where, like I was saying, my audition process I felt was like, you know, you just have the right hair, have the right outfit, show up and work hard on the combinations and you either get the job or you don't. And I don't, that's like not our industry anymore. Like you can do so much more to be seen and visible if if, like you said, your choice is to continue dancing, or even if it's not, be visible outside. Yes. I mean, the other thing I wanted to say before I answer your question is like, especially those that are ballet dancers, mm-hmm. we have been forced to only think of ballet. Like you don't have time to take tap. You don't have time to explore <laughs> jazz or modern or anything, right? It's right. just ballet. And I feel like we even get tunnel vision with, with thinking that the only dance career we can have is in a ballet company. Right. When really... Um, most of us know that ballet technique can serve as a foundation for every other technique. So who knew that you could actually go and audition and be on Broadway? Like, of course we knew that existed, but did it seem like um, plausible for us as ballet dancers? No, like, or going to be in a jazz company or even being a choreographer outside of concert dance, like these options weren't presented to us. And so I would want ballet dancers in particular to know that there are other genres outside of ballet that are just as fulfilling and just as magical. Mm-hmm. And the importance, the important thing about being a dancer is showcasing your art and being on stage and fulfilling that need and desire that we have to move. And to also to answer your question, you're right about dancers getting in this, like, I call it a training audition loop. Mm-hmm. where you train all the day all day and then you go to an audition hopefully you get in if you don't okay let's go back to training okay next audition let's go in hopefully I get it okay I didn't let me go back to training it's just this loop that we do 
And that's the way the industry has functioned. And I remember just being in these auditions. And at some point I was just over it mentally. I was like, it's exhausting. There's hundreds of dancers. You're all packed in there like sardines. And like, sometimes the choreographer cares if you learn the choreography. Sometimes they don't. I mean, you know, it, it's just a headache and it's, it requires a lot of mental energy and stamina. Mm -hmm. And for me, I was just like, there's got to be a better way because I can't keep doing this over and over again. Like they don't even know my name. You know, I found myself just relieved to not even make the cut so that it would be over. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it became this like self-sabotage in a way because I just, it's just too much to ask of a dancer. But I feel that the solution to that is networking. It's building a reputation outside of the audition room. It's building your brand online. It's putting out videos, creating your own projects and making a name for yourself in general. Because at the end of the day, we all just want to be artists. We just all want to be performers. We all want to showcase what performing means to us as individuals and share that with the world and be recognized. And we fall into this trap of believing that we need someone else to tell us yes before we have the opportunity to do that when it's not true. Mm. We have the power to create our own work. We have the power, especially now with the internet and YouTube and, you know, all the theaters and the smaller theaters that exist. We have the power to do that for ourselves. And it all starts with branding yourself online and building that reputation and connecting with people so that before you enter the audition room, they already know your name. Mm -hmm. That's the goal, right? right? They already know who you are. So when they see you, you you are being noticed. They do. You're not just a number. And even though there's hundreds of dancers in there, you at least know they know your name. Mm -hmm. So they're going to pay attention. Yeah. I feel like we would resonate the same on this, that part of that building your brand is your identity and understanding who that is behind your brand. Because I think dancers, I've seen some dancers, like maybe they're auditioning for a college team or, you know, the professional level that they are trying to figure out what does this person want me to be or who do they want me to be? How do I, you know, make myself fit them? And I think sometimes they're, they're missing the idea of like, no, you be your authentic self and bring that to the audition. So we talk a little bit about that, like have being authentic and who you are and your identity and your work. Absolutely. That's actually one of the first steps that I have dancers go through is identifying who they are as a dancer in terms of what are their goals, writing out all of their goals, like the biggest things that they could possibly dream of and just have fun dreaming again, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of being jaded because of the world and life and adulting, like take time to remember like, what was it that drew you to dancing? Like, what would you get excited about? Was it that you wanted to dance in the Super Bowl or did you want to be on, you know, the MTV Music Awards or did you want to perform in the Nutcracker? Like whatever it is, just write everything down and just brain dump it. And then start to narrow it down to the goals that you really, really like that set your heart on fire and you're just so excited about. And getting that clarity allows you to start making better decisions in terms of who you audition for who you're submitting for, what type of agents you need, if possible, depending on if you're a commercial dancer or a concert dancer or, or musical theater. But having that clarity of like what your real goals are allows you to have a different approach when you're going to auditions. Because I feel like right now, a lot of dancers just go to all auditions because it's like, whoever takes me, I'll go. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about it, I, you know, 
working with dancers, I'm jumping around a little bit, but when I work with dancers, I realized one of the biggest things is that everyone has a goal of being a dancer, but no one's goal was exactly the same. So someone might be at an audition for Wicked and really they want to be a dancer for Lady Gaga. So you're in this audition and you're like freaking out because you think everyone in this room wants the same thing to be in Wicked. And really it's probably just a handful of you. Mm -hmm. But having a clear identity and a clear goal and knowing exactly what you want brings clarity. So that say, maybe you want to dance for Lady Gaga, but you're going to this Wicked audition. You're not going to the Wicked audition to be in Wicked. You're going to the audition now because you want to become a better auditioner or you want to get over your nerves or you have like a clear reason that's still going to get you to your path of dancing for Lady Gaga. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Oh, I love that advice. I think that's great because we do, I think goal setting, we can get stuck on, this is my end goal. And if I'm not directly doing that, I'm off track, which may not be true to your point. Like maybe like there's still a reason to do these other things that are steps along the way. Um, but if you're intentional about it, that it's actually, it is still feeding towards your goal as opposed to just, I need to audition. So I'm just going to keep going, or I just want to dance. So whoever takes me, I will go. And being, there's a difference between like free for all and like intentional side, small steps. Absolutely. (laughs) And I also, because I'm very spiritual and I believe in the law of attraction, you cannot confuse the universe by having like a hundred different ideas. Like, oh, maybe I'll be in Wicked or maybe I'll dance for Lady Gaga or maybe I'll be a ballerina. Like whatever it is, you just have to have this focused idea so that you're not confusing the universe so that things can start to align to make those things happen for you. (laughs) Yes. And I think if you feel like you are confused I think maybe if we have a lot of our, you know, people in like the teens and twenties phase of like, but I don't know if I want to dance for Lady Gaga or Wicked, like those both sound great. And there's, it takes time to do that work and figure out what you do truly, truly want to do. So I like what your thoughts about like, you know, just brain dumping anything you've thought, like, what did your little six-year-old heart want? You know, what did you do when you were alone and, you know, playing as a kid? Um, But I feel like the there's still that challenge if you are just like, I really don't know. Like, did you have a phase of your career where you're like, I really don't know what I want? Or you always had a plan and a path or thoughts for people who aren't sure? I personally have always had a plan. (laughs) That's like, I, like I said, I'm a Capricorn. So that's like my earth sign in me. Like I always knew exactly what I was going to do and how it was going to happen. Of course, life happens and changes that trajectory. However, I still have a plan of what I want, but Um, A lot of my clients don't know what they want. And um, that's where my magic comes into play. When a dancer brings to me this brain dump of like all of their goals, I'm able to talk to them and ask them questions and look at their list and, and be able to listen to what they're saying out loud and really identify for them what it sounds like they really want. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times dancers know what they want, but they're afraid to say it. Or they're afraid to admit to themselves because either they hear outside noise telling them, is this really possible? Or they have their own mindset issues where they're like, I don't even know if I can do that at this point because of this, this, and this. I give dancers permission to dream as big as they want to dream and to strategize a way to get there. And having these conversations and being able to work with them one-on-one allows me the opportunity to help them find the clarity or identify the clarity that they didn't know they already had. It's just sometimes you just need someone to listen to you speak Mm 
to realize what you really want. Absolutely. I see the same thing on the therapy side, right? (laughs) Even though it's not like not traditional therapy, but just from, yeah, listening and having someone just a lot of times you're just reiterating what they say, but framing it in a way that they're like, oh, that, I guess that is what I meant or what I thought. But absolutely. I would love to dive into the mindset side of that. Is there a like maybe common mindset uh, traps or like that mind trash that gets in the way that you see in your clients? Like what are most dancers struggling with? Depending on their age, um, those that are over 18 and in particular over like 23, they are struggling with whether they should continue dancing or not. Mm -hmm. They don't know when to give up and they're battling like the adulting side of it of I need to survive. I need to have a job. I need to have steady income and wanting stability and having these income goals that they don't really see possible through dance. You know, a lot of them don't want to live gig to gig. They want to have like, they have goals. They want to have a big house or they want to have a family. And so the question typically that I'm seeing is, should I continue dancing? Is this even possible? Am I wasting my time? Is there hope, you know? Mm -hmm. And The reality is whatever goal you set for yourself, you can achieve it if you're willing to put in the time and, and stick it out. Right. Yeah. So if you know, like you want to be a dancer, but you also know you want to make money, you have to figure out what's going to bring you that opportunity. And I can't think of the the man's name, but the person that created Lord of Dance, like Mm -hmm. that's worth over 200 something million dollars. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) So that's a a prime example of someone who found her passion for dance and turned it into this multi-million dollar business. And I feel like more dancers need to think in those terms. Like, and that's why the brain dump is really important because it doesn't just include what you want as a dancer and as a performer, but it's what do you want in your life? Mm-hmm. And being able to find the pathway to achieving those goals and um, through your projects or through ever, through strategy in general. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think you're right that it's more than just performance goals necessarily. Again, kind of we were saying earlier that you can have goals, like you have your passion for the marketing side of things too. I'm like, oh, how can I bring that into my love of dance? And that's what I see with a lot of dancers in those, in that like 20 something phase of like, okay what is, what is going to be my like quote real job now? And it's like, well, dance can be a real job, but in maybe different way than you had thought. Like, absolutely. And I think that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. Dancers need more guidance on how to explore the options that are right, that are right in front of them. Because when you go to a professional dance school and you're training all day, like the only thing you can think about is technique and maybe performing if it's time to perform there really isn't time for the schools to teach you anything outside of that because they're focused on you becoming a better dancer and that's okay. But that's where these other programs come into play. Like mine, it's just allowing dancers to learn the business side of it and allowing them to think about their mindset and allowing them to shape the life that they want for themselves and the career that they want for themselves and teaching them how to find the options that are out there for them. Mm -hmm. So if you were to without giving away everything you've created, like share some, like a concrete tip advice for somebody who is trying to chase those big goals on their own terms and decide what that should be. I definitely think it has to do with the brain dumping first and identifying exactly what it is that you want. And then instead of saying, instead of writing all the reasons why it can't happen and why you shouldn't do it, 
taking that time to actually think through, like, how could I make this happen? Yeah. Like mapping it out. So um, I had a dancer the other day who wants to make money. And he didn't say how much, but I knew the type of lifestyle that he wanted. And I was just like, let's just pretend that you wanted to make a million dollars. Let's figure out how you could do that. Like, let's say you had a gig and I said, well, what, how much would you feel comfortable charging? And I think he said like $2,000. And I was like, okay, well, let's double that. Like, let's say you had $4,000. Does that feel good for you per gig? And we didn't identify what the gig was. It's just an exercise. Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, I feel good about that. I was like, okay, so that's where you feel good. Let's make it 6,000. So then I did like my whole, I get my calculator out and I'm like, well, how many gigs would you have to get to get to a million and and a million in a year? And I think it came down to like, I can't even remember, maybe 25 or something like that. It was, it was a high number. And so then I said, okay, now that you can see that it's possible to make a million dollars, let's come down a little bit. Let's come to something like a little bit more realistic right now today. Let's go to like 150,000. And I was like, oh, it turns out you only need two gigs a month. Mm. the fate like the way his face transformed yeah when I went through that exercise allowed him to visually see like whoa this is actually possible sure and I would advise every dancer to do that and it's not necessarily money-based it's whatever it is like you have to figure out what your goal is but find all the endless possibilities of the way that you could possibly make this work it doesn't matter if you believe it's true it doesn't mean it matter if it seems far-fetched just write it down mm-hmm. because being able to see that there are options will shift something in your mindset and allow you to start working towards the goal instead of telling yourself it's not possible. Yes. That's great mindset advice. I feel that on the business side of my life too. And when I talk to my other students that it's, it feels like this impossible thing that's so far in the future, so far out of, of like all of this stuff that, well, I don't look like that. I don't have that kind of body or I don't have that kind of access. And like, we tell ourselves these stories of some of which may be very true, but we don't, there's still a, a roadblock and they say, well, I can't because of, and instead of being able to step back and say, okay, even though all those things might be true and some of them are probably not any <laughs> of those roadblocks yes. that are true, what, you know, that maybe I just, I can't do that yet, or I don't have that opportunity yet. And it doesn't mean it's not coming or it doesn't mean it's not possible. And I can, I'm picturing his face as you said that and be like, wait, I two, I can do two gigs a month like that. <laughs> and just writing that check and like, wait a minute. <laughs> that's real. I could do that. And recognizing what's, what's possible by actually putting it down on paper and talking it through. I love that. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I've done my own share of self-sabotaging. Um, you just made me remember, uh, when Beyonce did her homecoming, um, you know, video or documentary on Netflix, I, my, a friend of mine told me to watch it and I watched it, but like, dance is still somewhat painful for me to watch, especially at that time. And so I couldn't get through the whole thing. I think I watched like a third of it and I turned it off. And then one day later, she's like, Songi, you should start auditioning. You should start getting out there. And I'm like, no, I gained so much weight. No Mm -hmm. one's going to accept me at this weight. And she's like, well, Beyonce had um, plus size dancers in there. And I was like, no, she did not. I was like so cocky about it. Like, you're lying. Uh-huh. She's like, no, you need to watch it. And I go back and suddenly I see all these plus size, like, you know, normal yeah. bodied, yeah. average size bodied women, not even necessarily plus size, just a plethora of, of uh, you know, diverse bodies and body types and heights and everything. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, how did I not see this the first time? And then I had like the, the like reality check of like, Sonia, you just 
sabotage yourself. Like you didn't even know these auditions existed because you're so busy looking at this self-imposed like um, weight restriction that didn't even exist, you know? And so that was an eye opener to me. Like I wouldn't even put myself out there to even know Beyonce was looking for dancers that had different bodies, right. you know? And so that was a big shift for me. And I just wanted to share the story because there could be other dancers out there that are doing the same thing. Absolutely. Nowadays, there's an opportunity and a place for everyone. It doesn't matter what you look like, if you're able-bodied or not, like there's just, there's a place for you yeah. as a dancer. So true. So true. And I think the other thing that makes me think of that I see get in dancers way is that like the social comparison, like just constantly looking at other people's work and like, well, I can't do that or I won't be like that. And I think like you were sharing how now when we were talking about branding that you can put yourself out there, you can put your work out on Instagram and on YouTube and like you have this opportunity, but then so does everybody else. And then you get to see everybody else's stuff and then you can have that. Yes. <laughs> so will you talk a little bit about that? Do you see self-comparison being a problem for some of your clients and people you're working with? I think self-comparison is inevitable, but, and I think that's what hinders us in auditions and everything. But one of the main things I always say to anyone is don't focus on things you can't control. You can't control who else is out there. And, you know, a lot of times it could be a really good dancer and they're phenomenal, but they have a terrible attitude, right? So you're looking at their website or their profile and you're thinking, oh my gosh, they probably like are going to get booked all the time. And maybe they have a nasty attitude and people don't want to work with them. I mean, that's obviously a really bad case, but I'm just saying like, you never know what people are looking for. It's your job to create your art and to put yourself out there and, sh and tell the world who you are and then allow the universe and people to find you and give you opportunities to shine. And I just find that the people that are getting booked are the people that are the, that are taking time to put themselves out there a hundred percent. And those that aren't getting booked are the people that are sitting there telling themselves that they're too fat to even audition mm -hmm. like right. me. <laughs> so you know what I mean? So right. I think when it comes to comparison, you have to just remember you're really only competing against yourself, become the best dancer and performer that you can be. And those opportunities are inevitable. As long as you don't give up, it's going to come. Yeah. Absolutely. And my longtime listeners will know one of my favorite, favorite quotes and lines is control the controllables. And from a mindset point of view, like that's all you can do, whether you are competing, auditioning, like any of that, even in the actual performance mode, say you get the gig and now you're like, okay, don't screw this up when I'm on stage, right? Like all you can do, yes. is, it's the same issue of like control the controllables. You can control how you warm up and how you fueled your body that day and like how you present yourself, but you can't control all the other people in the room or even what that director might be looking for. Like you said, they may just not, you may not fit what they want. That doesn't mean they don't like you for this project. Maybe they'll love your audition and think of you for another one and just, yeah, control the controllable, such good advice in so many contexts. I love that you brought that up. I love that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, that's the thing about dancing is there's so much self-criticism and you know, if you make one mistake, it like feels like the end of the world, right? And if that, you know, you're auditioning and the casting director's looking at you and you accidentally like turn your head left instead of right, <laughs> and now they're not watching you anymore. And like that devastation that you feel because mm -hmm. of that tiny little mistake. And I think that causes a lot of dancers to continue to focus on what they can control. Because now instead of like focusing on, okay, let me just continue to nail this choreography, you're focused on the fact that they stopped watching you. Mm -hmm. 
and it just derails your progress. Whereas if you continued to nail it, and of course you always get another chance, then, you know, instead of allowing yourself to spiral downward, you could allow yourself to continue to shine and forget about, like make them forget about that one moment Mm -hmm. where you messed up. Yes. See, you're doing my psych job for me. I love it. (laughs) Oh, great. (laughs) It's so, it's so true because we can so easily spiral with our thoughts about, yeah, well, what did they see? They caught me doing this one thing and just being so worried about that moment that you can't get back in the current moment and get back to what I'm trying to do here. And whether, again, if it's an audition or, you know, within a performance and I hear, you know, dancers who say like, if you make one mistake at the beginning of the, that performance, and then how do you get back to, I'm like, you still have the rest of the show. You still have the rest of this routine, even like letting go of that spiral to say, what is, can I be present in the moment? Um, and it, cause I agree that it, it's a huge confidence, um, struggle, right. To try to let go of that. But going more with that confidence stuff, do you have other thoughts about helping your dancers boost their confidence when they're trying to support them on their journeys? I think the confidence comes from feeling prepared Mm -hmm. and knowing and having clarity on where you're going and why, like what you're striving for. Other than that, there's not much we can do. I mean, there's anything can derail our confidence in any given moment. But I think that when you're focused on the bigger picture, and knowing like, you know, like I gave that example earlier with going to the Wicked audition. If you're focused on the fact that you want to dance for Lady Gaga and you're at this Wicked audition and something goes wrong, like maybe they stop watching you, you're not going to feel as derailed. It's not going to impact your confidence because at the end of the day, you know why you were there and you were going there to prepare for auditioning so that when you get this opportunity to dance or audition for Lady Gaga, you are not derailed because you're a poor auditioner, right? So it goes back to preparation. Um, Say you want an agent. Instead of just going to the agent and submitting without understanding like what they want, why not build up your social media? Why not have conversations with people that already have agents and learn as much as you can first before you submit? So that way, when you submit, you have that confidence of at least knowing like, you did the best that you could in that given moment. Like you gave it everything that you had. When you're dancing on stage, you're confident when you know the choreography, right? Right. You've practiced it so much that you can do it in your sleep. You're going to feel a lot more confident on stage versus they made some last minute changes an hour ago. And now you're like, oh my gosh, like, don't forget that you have to turn right instead of left or you have a different formation, whatever it is. So I think it just all comes back to preparation and clarity. If you know exactly what you want and you're, you're mapping out a path and strategy that prepares you for that goal, then you're going to feel confident in everything that you're doing. Yes. So much confidence comes in preparation. I agree. And I think that's true uh, like at all stages when you're the dancer or when you are like the teacher or the choreographer, like it's that preparation helps so much. That's great advice. Absolutely. I would. Okay. I'd love to shift gears a little bit to one other topic that I've heard you share your like passion for kind of disrupting the dance industry a little bit and shaking things up. So will you tell us what you mean by that and kind of your dream for dancers today? I would love for dancers to just be more nurturing to each other and more supportive instead of being so self-critical and (laughs) sensational in terms of like, who's the best dancer? Who's killing it today? 
like why I, I would love to see more dancers supporting and nurturing art and mm-hmm. creativity and originality and just having that freedom to go back to that first moment you felt the desire to dance and it was just an impulse, right? I, I'll always love to talk about that impulse that you feel when the music plays and you just have to dance. Right. And then how good it feels to move, you know? I would love to see more dancers do that. The other side of it is I would love for the next generation of leaders to set dancers up for success. Like when you're running an audition, be mindful that they're nervous. Like, make it a fun experience. We know most of us are not going to make this cut, but can we like walk away with a smile on our face because (laughs) we learned some fun choreography and you took the time to make sure that we actually learned it and felt like human beings and felt like artists and you gave us feedback, even though we're not going to make it all the way through. We've gained this, just this wonderful experience. I would love to see that shift. And I know that a lot of people in the industry might say like, well, we don't have time for all of that. But at the same time, like, what is our purpose for being creative beings if we're not going to celebrate that in every given moment, you know, whether it's an audition or not, whether it's a business or not, we can't forget the humanity behind our creative selves and behind dancing and behind movement and being on stage. It can't be so focused on the profit and the money that we forget the intention behind the art. Yes. Oh, that vision sounds amazing. I would love that. <laughs> but thank you. Me too. <laughs> but and you're so right though that I think a lot of it is on the current leaders in our industry and then the coming the ones who are coming up of understanding the the human behind the dancer. And I feel that shift starting and people like you like we're having some more conversations and understanding it. Um, but so much of what I see too is that we we forget that there is a human behind this person dancing in front of us. And we get very like rote on I want to see this perfect execution of these skills in front of me and ignoring yes. the human behind it. And we're missing so much and yeah, I would love to see that as well. That shift of actually caring for the people the person behind the art that you see. Yeah. Yes, because I feel like even in auditions, we're looking to eliminate. Right. <laughs> Just like, who can I take out for any given reason? And I would I would love for dancers to get to the point where it's like, instead of looking for who can we take out, let's just, you know, celebrate this dancing right now. Let's give them a few days. I mean, there's dancers that are really amazing performers that just don't audition well. Like maybe they just need one day to sleep on the choreography and they come back the next day and they blow everyone out. You know what I mean? Because it's just so amazing. Like, I just feel like we need an industry that allows different learning styles and, and different approaches to movement and performance to flourish because the industry's missing out on a lot of beautiful dancers and it's just because they're not taking time to really find them. Absolutely. Oh, well said. I appreciate that. Before we wrap up, will you please share how people can find you and your work and everything you're doing to support dancers now? Absolutely. My website is the Sonia, S-O-N-J-A, McCord, M-C-C-O-R-D-X.com. And I also have a program called Dancer Premiere with an E at the end.com. You can go there and get access to a free webinar that teaches you how to become a famous dancer by commanding your career and your brand and um, learning how to network. 
it's an amazing workshop. I thought if I do say so myself. <laughs> yes, own it. Um, I've gotten, right. <laughs> I've gotten a lot of positive feedback about it, but also at the end, there's an introduction to my official program, Dance of Premier, which teaches you how to um, not only elevate your mindset and your approach to dancing, but to elevate your talent, to build a career, uh, build your own career by building your own body of work and resume and also just building a brand online. If you have a, a social media account, you probably need Dance of Premier because it's yeah. it allows you to use social media in your benefit so that you can actually book jobs and become more marketable in the industry. Yes. Uh, so well, so needed in our industry. And I love that you've created something to help support these dancers so you're no longer kind of floundering and crossing your fingers and hoping it works. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And it's so exciting to watch the transformation of dancers. Like I remember yeah. I was doing one-on-one strategy sessions and just six weeks later, they were completely different people. Yep. Oh, that's wonderful. So we're, we're giving dancers a fighting chance. And I, I just feel like that's what we all should do. Absolutely. Well, you clearly have found your passion and what you're able to do with your dancers. I love that. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for being here and talking with me today. It was so nice to chat with you. Thank you. I enjoyed our conversation.